My scripture this morning is taken yet once again from the Gospel of John, chapter 16, verses uh, 12 through 15, as we continue to have this discussion uh, about uh, the, the Trinity. Hear now these words from the Gospel of John. If you'd like to follow along as I read aloud, it is found in your pew Bibles on page 105. Jesus says, I still have many things to say to you, but you cannot bear them now. When the spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all the truth, for he will not speak on his own, but will speak whatever he hears. And he will declare to you the things that are to come. He will glorify me, and because he will take what is mine and declare it to you. All that the Father has is mine. For this reason, I said that he will take what is mine and declare it to you. I have one more verse. No, I don't. I'm just messing with you. I'm going to read it later. That's why it's not on there. Yeah, I have to be careful because my wife is operating the computer. But at least I'm going to be at camp for two weeks. Or one week. Or two weeks now. When I started this, uh, putting this sermon together, I, I wrote down this note. Describe on a single sheet of paper what the paraclete means to me personally, or the Holy Spirit. When and in what context have I become aware of God, the Spirit, helping and assisting and encouraging you see, I think part of the thing that we struggle with when it comes down to this idea of the Trinity is, is that uh, in the Christian church, disciples of Christ, uh, we are this melting pot of faith traditions in one, under one roof. Some of us grew up evangelical, and so like the Holy Spirit has a different connotation. Uh, Holy Spirit means uh, speaking in tongues or even being baptized by the Holy Spirit has a different meaning to those of us that did not grow up in an evangelical world. Some of us grew up in a more established tradition that might have been uh, from uh, Catholicism, that Holy Spirit, the Trinity, was never something that they questioned or had any conversation about because that's just the way it is. In the Christian church, Disciples of Christ, our original founders struggled with how to describe this because they themselves grew up in a Presbyterian movement that also believed in the Trinity as God the three in one. The Holy Spirit to me was always something weird and scary. It was something that people would say that was inside of me. It would do things for me. Uh, it was my comforter. It was my sustainer. Now, when you're telling a junior high kid that, they start to get a little nervous. So you're telling me that God's inside of me, Jesus is inside of me, and the Holy Spirit tells me what to do. No wonder I hear so many voices. And, and, it's, and it's, a, it's a terrifying feeling. Because when you try to explain what the Holy Spirit is, it, it's, it's, it's just, how do you take it out of what we know and what we've read? 
this is what the Gospel of John is trying to ascertain. Jesus has established what the church looks like is, and what the church ultimately becomes in the institution of what we know now as the Christian movement. I argue, and I say in my Sunday school class, that I think the uh, creation of the institution is found in the Gospel of John, and that the, the words and the theologies that you have all grown up are found in chapters 13 through 16. Jesus having these discussions over a meal and trying to describe it in such a way that they'll understand. And yet, just like us, almost 2,000 years later, are still scratching our heads is going, okay, so now what's the Holy Spirit? So I think that my goal has been the last several weeks is to be transparent about maybe the way that I believe in the Holy Spirit and how God works and how Jesus works in my own life in the hopes that maybe, maybe just maybe, you would be able to have that conversation with yourself. So maybe the, the goal then becomes after today, this is that you go home and you start writing this down on a piece of paper. What is God to me? What does Jesus the Christ mean to me? And what is the Holy Spirit? So here's what I came to understand. To me, the Holy Spirit was the guiding presence of God. I don't want to be flippant and say it's the Jiminy Cricket sitting on my shoulder telling me I should do the right thing and, and I choose not to. But for lack of a better purpose, there's a little bit of this. I come to this understanding biblically in the sense that in Jesus' own words, Jesus says, I, I will no longer be with you, but I will send the Holy Spirit, the advocate on your behalf, who will guide you and direct you. These, these languages matter. So the Holy Spirit then becomes the guiding presence of my life as I follow in the footsteps of my Savior. Now, please understand, I'm just trying to explain what it means for me. So when I talk about Jesus, Jesus becomes the model human being. Now, part of the problem that we run into is, is Scripture also says, how will you know what we're doing? Well, Jesus says very simply, well, feed my sheep. So for me, every opportunity that I have is not just about food, though. Every opportunity that I have to feed the sheep, that's being guided to me by the direction of the Holy Spirit. With me so far? Now, step two. So what does that mean? Well, Jesus becoming the model, the ambassador of God, gives us a, a, a perfect lifestyle. One that I can never, ever emulate perfectly because I'm a human being and I'm going to mess up. I'm going to make bad choices. Even when I try to do the right thing, even as I'm being guided by the Holy Spirit to do the right thing. And all I keep hearing is, is that when Jesus says to, this, to the disciples, when you do this to the least of these, you do it as if you're doing it to me. Now, I struggle with that language, least of these. Because in our culture, we're very good at putting people in, in categories. Well, if you're not us, you're, you're, not, you're not us, so you've got to be something different. If you're something different, then it's got to be this. So we continue to elevate ourselves or we denigrate ourselves in such a way that puts us in this 
category, and this is where I struggle. Blame it on the fact that I spent a lot of time in Hebrew in, in seminary. See, in seminary, you're only supposed to take maybe two or three hours or two or three semesters in Hebrew. Well, I took seven. So there's a lot of this idea of the Hebrew Bible stuck in my head. And the problem that we have in the Christian faith is, is that we keep looking at the Hebrew Bible as if it's old, like it doesn't matter for us. And I think the part that's really struggling for me in today's culture is, is that 100% matters. It's the human aspect of our walk of life. I would argue that the way that God looks at us is, is that we are all the least of these. It's our job to take care of humanity. Everyone that draws breath, and this is important, they even struggled with it in the Hebrew Bible a whole lot. That otherwise there would be no wars, there would be no conflict, but they struggled with it throughout the whole Hebrew Bible. And it's our journal of creation to say, and from that we can learn to do better, which we still have not, but that's another sermon for another day. That we are all God's children. And if we are all God's children, then there, how can there be any of us that are the least of these? So when Jesus says, even when you do it to the least of these, he's saying, even when you do it for the person sitting next to you in the pews, the person you run into at Homeland, the person that makes a derogatory gesture with you and you cut them off on the side of the road, you know, these, these moments, there, there is no least of these. And I think that Jesus is using it to challenge us. So if I believe that the Holy Spirit guides me to people, that's my barometer. And then, if I've been guided to these people, then my goal is to act like Jesus. And do you know how hard that is? Yeah, you do. You know how hard this is. So if I believe that, then what is God? Oh, this is my favorite part. God is all of those things, and then some. I, again, go back to this understanding when my Hebrew Bible classes, understanding that God is a creator that gives us the breath, that ruach that motivates and creates life. God is life-giving God is life-altering. God is the, the very essence of creation. When God spoke, boom, the world was created. When God breathed, humanity was born. And in the midst of our struggling and our desire to be guided, we get lost. <laughs> And in the Hebrew Bible, we are so confused about where God is and how God motivates us that in the, in the midst of it, God gave us a moment to, to pass over houses for all of those that proclaimed God as creator. In the Hebrew Bible, you see the moment when they're lost in the wilderness and there's a pillar of fire at night and a pillar of smoke during the day to guide us out of the pro and into the promised land when we've been enslaved and 
captured by society and treated as less than for just being human, God is there. And it's hard to hear God's voice. I think that's the part we struggle with so much. And it's why these deep concepts of, and I don't know if it's that deep, but I think that the idea of establishing what the Trinity means is important to who we are as Christians. And the thing that makes us unique here in the Christian church, Disciples of Christ, is our goal is to have the conversation. Because that's how it works for me. It might not work that way for you. And for us, that's okay. It's beautiful to be able to hear how God has guided you in a different way. I mean, again, we're this melting pot of people that have grown up in all types of different understandings. But the part that I really want to be careful of it says, I don't want us to look at the Holy Spirit as the Cinderella of the Trinity, as if at some point it just disappears from our life. I think it's important to look at the way the Holy Spirit does move in our life. And to listen to when God calls us into that moment. In this part of the Gospel of John discourse, the earliest Christians saw this intermingling of this Trinitarian God whom they worshipped, where the Spirit came to guide the church into the way of truth. And that the Son will receive the honor in the Spirit's work as the conveyor of Jesus' instruction. And the Creator, or as he calls it, the Father, is all over the earth and shares that equally with the Son, and it's revealed to us by the Spirit. I think it's important that when we have these conversations that we recognize that in this moment, those places where you feel a nudge to acknowledge it, to make it something that you are the image of Christ, in the name of God. So how do we do that? Well, the first thing we have to do is, is we have to listen. I would say the second part of this is we have to pray. And then the third part of that is, is that we have to talk and then listen some more. <laughs> and I don't think we're going to have the perfect answer today. But the goal then becomes the journey. So in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, Amen.